Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. And this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear personal stories from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is mental health. Let's talk now with this week's guest. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Chris Miller. I am currently co-chair of the Council on Mental Illness, which is sponsored by the National Catholic Partnership on Disability, NCPD. All right, Chris, let's talk with you. Let's uh, talk about mental health. What is mental health? What, what does that all refer to? Well, Bob, mental health is just like any other type of health. We have physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. So mental health is a continuum from being very well to being not so well. And so mental health encompasses all of that. Mental illness is concerned with being not mentally well. Mental illness is clinically diagnosed. That can include anything from some intellectual disabilities to emotional disabilities to depression, suicidal ideation, high anxiety disorders, for example. There's any number of things, almost. Sometimes we are mentally well, sometimes that we are not so mentally well. And individuals that are not mentally well will sometimes have mental illness. As you pointed out, there's a number of different um, mental illness diagnosis that individuals may have. So what does mental illness look like and how prevalent is it in our culture today? The statistics, national statistics show one in four or one in five, uh, depending upon the source, individuals have some sort of diagnosable mental illness. In a typical church, if you have a pew of five or six people, one of those individuals is going to be, statistically speaking, have a mental illness. All right, Chris, you serve on the National Council on Mental Illness? Yes, that is correct. I am currently co-chair of the Council on Mental Illness, which is sponsored by the National Catholic Partnership on Disability, NCPD. So, Chris, you serve on this council. This is one of the topics are being pro-life series. Why would we call this a respect life issue, mental health and mental illness? Well, Bob, statistics will show that anywhere between 60 to 90% of individuals that have considered or completed suicide have some sort of diagnosable mental illness. And so this really becomes a life issue in the church when we have individuals that are dying by suicide because they do not get the help or the resources that are needed to help them with their mental illness. Thanks, Chris. I can definitely see why mental health and its relationship to suicide and suicidal ideation could be an extremely important respect life issue. Now, in addition to that, I imagine there's a truth about marginalization or a serious lack of awareness or pastoral understanding towards people that might have certain kinds of mental illness. But even those for whom they can hold down a job, but they do have a fairly severe mental illness, might be temporary, might be a little more permanent, that interferes with work, similarly to a physical debility might interfere in some ways with work, which can also be a dignity issue. Would you, would you agree with that? And can you speak to some of those issues? Great point. The American Disabilities Act, the ADA, which was legislatively passed 20 to 30 years ago by the federal government, really protects individuals with disabilities. Individuals with mental illness are considered individuals with disabilities, both within the church and then in the context of the ADA, American Disabilities Act. 
And so in the workplace, employers need to take the extra care or caution supporting those individuals with mental illness. Of course, if the mental illness gets in the way of the job performance, then that can be a challenge or a problem. But the key term is reasonable accommodation. So in the workplace, the employers need to take reasonable accommodation to support an individual with mental illness. So do you have any specific stories related to that piece? I'm making things up now, but someone with depression or someone who really just struggles with anxiety, someone who struggles with things that sometimes interfere with work issues and how an employer can be just as understanding about those issues as they would be with someone who has a heart issue that can interfere at times with work or Well, Bob, I think that employers need to be very aware of any mental illness that employees may have. And so what that might look like in the workplace is giving extra time for an individual who might be going through a panic attack, for example, or an anxiety struggle, providing time off for an individual that may be in the middle of a depression or maybe having an episode. Again, I think the biggest thing is a reasonable accommodation. Employers need to be aware of, be in compliance with the American Disabilities Act, and really make sure that individuals going through cancer treatment are respected the same way as an individual who lives with bipolar or schizophrenia and has an episode. So Chris, do you have a personal story to share about dealing with mental illness? So I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area, currently live in Silicon Valley, and grew up here and went to university at Santa Clara and ended up working as a youth minister and Catholic school teacher for a few years and had the opportunity to study at Boston College over the course of three summers and one semester. And in the spring of 2013, I was in Boston and I interviewed all over the country for teaching positions. I had two job offers, one at a Catholic high school in San Francisco and the other a Catholic boarding school in Connecticut. I took the boarding school job. It was an awesome experience, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to work at a very well-resourced Catholic boarding school. And I arrived in mid-August and was really looking forward to the job. And within a few weeks, I realized that I was in severe depression. While I absolutely enjoyed the, the job, I also had a really difficult time. My whole life had been in Silicon Valley and the San Francisco Bay Area, and I essentially uprooted myself to go east. And I ended up falling to severe depression and was uh, hospitalized in a hospital in Connecticut for passive suicidal ideation. That essentially means that I did not have a plan to kill myself, but I was thinking about. And so I was discharged from the hospital after a few hours and then made the recognition that I needed to come back home to the San Francisco Bay Area to process through my severe depression I was able to get a lot of resources, have a lot of support from my family, from professional therapists, making sure that I'm taking medication. And it took me probably six to eight months to getting out of depression and subsequently ended up applying and got into a doctoral program at the University of San Francisco, where I will shortly graduate. And so while I had a difficult time, I also know that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel, and that faith is a really important aspect of that, both in my story and experience, but also in other individuals with mental illness, that faith can be a very healing component of getting over severe depression or other types of mental illness. So Chris, thanks for sharing about some of your experience with some depression, and you went back home, you got some care, you had lots of family support. Are you able to speak a little bit to 
what you might have experienced or what others sometimes experience is a stigma related to mental illness where you're not treated as fairly as you should have been and how it is that all of us can better understand mental illness and provide more appropriate pastoral care and response. I think there's still a lot of stigma around mental illness in our society and mental illness in our political narrative right now is associated with violence, which is a false narrative. It's been documented that only three to five percent of gun shootings that have occurred across the country are directly related to individuals with mental illness. In my case, one of the reasons that I recognized why I needed to come back to California was that I needed support. And I think part of recovery of severe depression is ensuring the support of family and friends. Well, I think that there's a lot that can be done in our society to try to recognize that mental illness is an illness of the brain, just like heart attack is an illness of the heart. So I think that there's a lot of education and opportunity for awareness in that area. Okay, so Chris, can you tell me a little bit about what the church done to help people be more aware of the problem we have with mental illness in our parishes and in the United States today? One of the things that church has really taught is the dignity of every human and that every individual, regardless of you know, their mental condition or physical condition, is made in the image and likeness of God. And so the church has been really pastoral in recognizing the inherent dignity of, of individuals. There is nothing specifically addressing mental illness in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. In the, the most recent edition of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there is recognition that individuals that die by suicide, if there is a mental illness or if incapacitated, there is not an automatic assumption that that individual is going to go to hell. And so the Catholic Church has recognized because of the grasp that mental illness can have. Every year, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops puts together resources to celebrate or Respect Life Week. Yes, I know about that. Respect Life Month every October. And there's, uh, yeah. yeah, they put all kinds of great resources. Did they put one together specifically for mental illness recently? So over the last 10, 10 to 15 years, there have been a few resources that have been part of the Respect Life effort. One such document is the Persons with Mental Illness Bearing God's Image. And in that document, there is a recognition that individuals with mental illness, again, are made in the image and likeness of God, as is everybody. And the trifold brochure has tips about what individuals, what the faithful can do to support those with mental illness. We're showing this on the screen right now. If you are listening to this on the podcast, it's called The Person with Mental Illness, Bearing God's Image. I bet if you search that, it should come right up. Or, as always, everything we've referenced here on our podcast or in the video series will be available on the website at www.catholiccincinnati.org slash being-pro-life. So we'll have that right there. Great. Thanks, Chris. Anything else you want to mention that might be related to what the church has put out? Yes. As many people know, and every state in the country has a Catholic conference. There are currently four states in the country, bishops in those states have issued statements on mental illness. Recently, the California bishops issued a statement in 2018 titled Hope and Healing, a Pastoral Response on Mental Illness. So that document can be found by searching Hope and Healing, California Bishops. Okay, Open Healing California Conference. There it is, right there at the top. 
of the bishops of California on caring for those who suffer from mental illness, addressed to all Catholics and people of goodwill. Yes, so this is one of the four state conference documents. This document by the California bishops includes a study guide as well as a translation in three different languages. This is a resource that can be helpful not just in California, but across the country in recognizing and supporting those, learning more about how the church has and can respond to mental illness. Okay, great. So Chris, as far as you know, we're still working on a national document right now. That is correct. So there are four states, California in 2018, New York in 2014, Nebraska, and West Virginia in the early 2000s. And so one of the things that the Council on Mental Illness is advocating for with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, which has recently convened a national coalition on mental health, is to support and encourage the United States bishops to write a letter or pastoral statement that directly addresses mental illness. Currently, the national statement that mental illness fits under is the 1978 pastoral statement on individuals with disabilities. Mental illness is briefly mentioned in there, but the terminology that's used in that is mental retardation, and that is not a term that is used anymore. So there is definitely an opportunity for the bishops to explore doing something that incorporates usage of terminology that is current in this day. In the meantime, at the moment, the most recent document come out by bishops here in this country would be the California document from 2018. We just showed Hope and Healing, and that's the most comprehensive of the four. That is correct, yes. There was a team that was convened that included medical doctors, that included individuals with Catholic health care, that included individuals from Catholic charities. So it was a wonderful consulting team that supported the effort. Dr. Aaron Curiati, who is a researcher at the University of California, Irvine, actually wrote a book called The Catholic Guide to Depression, and he was on the consulting team for that. So that is another resource for individuals that may be having depression, of course, diagnosable or mental illness. So you just mentioned The Catholic Guide to Depression by Dr. Aaron Cariardi, and here it is. You can easily find that if you wanted to order that book. You're saying you recommend that book. I I do, yes. Uh, Dr. Aaron Cariotti is probably known as one of the nation's foremost individuals that is addressing mental illness uh, from a Catholic perspective. So Chris, let's turn a little bit to what people can do. Let's start with pastors and pastoral workers right here in our parishes. How can pastors and pastoral workers in our Catholic parishes better support people who have mental health issues? Well, Bob, I think there is an opportunity for individuals that are working in churches and parishes and other ministries to recognize and, and understand that there are individuals, statistically it's you know one in four, one in five that are affected by mental illness. One of the first things that I would recommend is education. I think it's awareness and education. There's some great opportunities for clergy members, for those that are supporting parishes. One such resource is Mental Health First Aid. Mental Health First Aid is an eight-hour course that anyone can take. There is currently, through the federal government, a grant process where 38 states across the country, and I believe Ohio is one of those states where there is funding available for the eight-hour course Mental Health First Aid, similar to Physical First Aid and CPR. And so this is something that was created in Australia 
in the early 2000s and then came to the United States uh, several years ago. There's a couple of different courses within mental health first aid. There is the regular adult course. There's also a youth course, which is for adults, but it's tailored on young people, which is my professional background. There is also an older adults course for anyone that's working with a senior population. So this is a, a wonderful resource that I would really encourage individuals to take. Are you really familiar with this particular course? Do you know if there's anything in there that sometimes people might question? Well, that, that part of it is might not be Catholic. That part is not in agreement with Catholic teaching. Yes. Yeah, so, so I have taken mental health first aid course four times, twice through the adult course and then twice with the youth course. While mental health first aid is a secular developed course, there is nothing in there that is contradicts uh, Catholic teaching. As evident by that, there is um, actually an institute on Catholic mental health ministry. They have a grant process. There are five dioceses across the country that have received grant from the University of San Diego. Those five dioceses are Archdiocese of San Francisco, Diocese of San Jose, Diocese of Orange, and Southern California, um, Diocese of Archdiocese of Hartford, Connecticut, and the Diocese of Rapid City. And all five of those uh, dioceses came together for a training, and mental health first aid was uh, the first day of the train of a three-day training. It is interesting to note that uh, in early 2020, the Catholic Institute for Mental Health Ministry at the University of San Diego will be submitting further requests for proposals. And so both dioceses and individual parishes are encouraged to apply to receive funding to support mental health ministry in parishes and in dioceses. So in addition to the formal training, one of the things that I think distinguishes the Catholic Church from other faith traditions is our sense of community, that we worship together as a community, that we pray together as a community. So one of the things I think that comes from that is the recognition that when we go to a, a Mass and being aware of individuals and families that we see on a regular basis, and if there is somebody that he's either in, in church that's looking like they're struggling or maybe has been absent for several weeks is to inquire with the pastor or the church parish leadership and say, hey, I just wanted to check in and see if Susie is doing okay. So something to that, that effect. I think anyone has the ability and courage to reach out and support those that uh, may be struggling with some sort of mental illness. An important point is recognizing care of the individual. For example, when an individual at a, at a parish or a family, if there's somebody that is diagnosed with cancer, with some sort of other physical ailment, sometimes a parish community will come together to provide support through, for example, providing meals for a family or providing, helping with, assisting with transportation or babysitting. That's common. It happens all over um, the country in our parishes. However, when there is somebody that is struggling or challenging with a mental illness issue, maybe depression, or we are much more hesitant uh, to reach out to that family and offer support. There's still a lot of stigma there. In essence, um, and mental illness is an illness of the brain, just like a heart attack is an illness of the heart. I think we as a church community can do a much better job of supporting those with mental illness and recognizing that mental illness is, is simply you know, an illness of the head and it's no different than an illness of any other part of the body. I think there's been a lot of work that has been done in the area, but I think that there's still a lot more work that can be done to try to reduce the stigma of mental illness. 
Do you want to say a little bit about the National Catholic Partnership on Disability, the NCPD? Well, Bob, yes. Uh, the NCPD is the National Catholic Partnership on Disability. It is the one organization in the United States that supports disabilities. Mental illness fits under disabilities. So if you go to ncpd.org, ncpd.org, which is National Catholic Partnership on Disability, a great website here. So if you go under, on the NCPD website, if you go under disability, you will see a number of different scroll down menus and there's a mental illness. Go ahead and click on the mental illness and that goes to the mental illness landing page. And on there, there are a number of links um, that includes reaching out with hospitality to people with mental illness, children and mental health. And um, there's a number of other resources on this website that can be helpful. There is a welcome and value DVD, which is a book and a DVD that was produced by the Council on Mental Illness several years back. So that is something that can be purchased through Amazon through the NCPD website. So I would encourage anybody that is interested in learning more about NCPD and the Council on Mental Illness to take a look at the website. I am serving as the co-chair of the council along with Deacon Mike Demers. We're the two co-chairs. There is a page on the suicide that includes the catechism of the Catholic Church. So I think there's lots of good resources there on the NCPD page, even specifically related to mental illness and mental health. There are, yes. Great resource. Just to summarize, I think it's important to recognize that the Catholic Church has, is, and continues to recognize that individuals, the faithful, are made in the image and likeness of God, regardless of one's physical or mental status. So if there is somebody that comes to Mass or comes to part of a community who is making uncontrollable noises, for example, or ticks to recognize that they are honored and do the respect that everybody else has and should be offered. Thanks for talking with us today about mental health, the need we have to be more aware of it, to be more pastoral towards people who have some mental health issues, and how anyone, particularly all of us as members of church communities, can be better educated on it and better respond to people who have mental illness and their families as well. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Bob. I greatly appreciate the opportunity, and I applaud your office for exploring and recognizing that pro-life, respect life, is a broad issue, including suicide and individual disabilities and mental illness. So thank you. And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website and view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholiccincinnati.org slash being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today, and I look forward to being with you next time.